Okay, here's my Christopher Nolan story. About 20 years ago, I got into the Writers Guild of America for selling my first screenplay. I finally felt like I had joined the great family of Hollywood writers. And as part of my membership, I got the highly coveted health insurance that came with it. I anxiously awaited receiving the envelope with my insurance card in the mail, and one day, I did. And I realized that Christopher Nolan and I must be smacked next to each other on the list of WGA writers because stuck to the back of my envelope was Christopher Nolan's envelope with his insurance card in it. I promptly unstuck it, forwarded it on to Mr. Nolan, and sat back, sipping a glass of whiskey, staring into the sunset, and considering my good fortune for truly... I had had a brush with greatness. And then a year or so later, I went and saw his remake of the movie, Insomnia. Welcome to The Holdup. Each month we pick a movie one of us remembers fondly but hasn't seen in years, we watch it and we decide, does it hold up? I'm John Longino. And I'm John Nelson, the next on the list. Well, before Chris <laughs> Nolan, actually, I was before wow, him. I can't. I, I, I've never heard that story, Nelson. That's crazy. Which just seems really weird because I feel like I, I would tell that to anybody who would listen. But then again, I say that about all of my tales. You could. It was like a reverse following. You could have done some kind of like you get his mail. <laughs> <laughs> you just sort of stalk him from afar with his health insurance. Yes, I took note of his address and said to myself, "Ah, let the stalking begin." No, <laughs> if Christopher Nolan is listening, and I know that he loves this podcast, I did not. I did not stalk you, and I'm sure you don't live at that address anymore because I've been waiting outside your window for 20 years. Yes. And I just <laughs> please, please don't de- cease and desist, Mr. Nolan. I, I promise everything is fine. I'm just kidding. Um, I sent it on to the appropriate parties because I'm a good boy. Damn yeah, it. As well, you should. As well, you should. <laughs> uh, but we will get to Christopher Nolan here in a bit. Uh, first, I need to remind the audience that you can email us at holduppodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, holduppodcast.com to find links to our email address and our Twitter page and our Instagram page and all sorts of nice things. And I'm happy to report, Mr. Nelson, that this month, uh, after some not-so-subtle begging, uh, we have actually received an email. Oh. Yes, we got an email from my friend Patrick McGrath. Pat McGrath, who um, um, perhaps people who have followed me for a long time might remember he was uh, oftentimes a guest on Cinemarathon and joined me for... Many of those. So he has earned his cinema badge, (laughs) to be sure. Uh, Thank you for writing in, Pat. Uh, He writes, John's, to quote Longino from the recent Ex Machina episode, those of you that have followed me for the long ride and somehow are still here, please let me know. Well, I am still along for the ride. As an old frequent Cinemarathon guest, I'm happy to continue listening to Longino and pleased to have met Nelson and hear him too. Ooh, me too. Congratulations on getting to 100 episodes. The holdup is such a more sustainable concept than the movie marathon was. <laughs> oh, I it's so much disagree. better for us fathers. <laughs> uh, he goes on to ask, what are some recent movies you were able to see that you enjoyed? Last year, I saw many movies, and this year, I've been very busy. So far, Megan and Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, have been satisfying in a general audience popcorn sort of way. Seeing Skinamarink and Bo is Afraid with friends in theaters felt like the height of film nerd thrills for me so far. Take care of yourselves, Patrick. 
Ooh, good ones. I, I also, well, I think both Longino and I have both seen and enjoyed Bo is Afraid. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, uh, Pat. I mean, understandably, our tastes sort of meld together. Uh, all the <laughs> movies you sort of name drop here, Megan, Dungeons and Dragons, Bo is Afraid, uh, I actually saw as well and really liked all of those movies quite a bit. Um, the one I didn't see is Skinamarink, which which you mentioned, but I've heard of and it's on my list. Like, I want to see it. I have seen Skinamarink and it's I, it's interesting because like half of that movie is like for me like super creepy and a really i mean the whole thing's sort of well executed but there comes a point where like for me the the fear sort of fades away because and i can't tell you why because it's a very stylistic movie uh and the style is entirely the substance in this case so but it's 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 a it's it's one of those movies that i admire more than i uh enjoy i guess but i i do admire it quite a bit style so maybe i will love it sincerely well here's the thing longino you you love you some style but do you love the same style over and over again for two hours because that's what you're getting well, I have been marathoning uh, Mission Impossible with my daughter, so I guess the, the answer is yes. I do like the same thing over and over and over yeah, again. It's I great. guess that's true. Uh, that, thank you, Pat, for writing in. It was nice to uh, catch yeah. up and talk movies for a brief moment. Thanks, Pat. But, uh, Nelson, that brings us to tonight's movie, Insomnia. Well, I was going to say it's appropriate that Pat wrote us this month because this month marks eight years for us. It's August. That's true. 2023 we've been oh, this doing is this it for, yeah yeah this is yeah. the anniversary this That's is our eighth year. now again we're coming up on episode 100 so it's probably best to just say oh man eight <laughs> years and let's just move on now kids nowadays celebrate birthdays for like two months they have like five <laughs> birthday weekends you know we can we can have pop and circumstance all around that's true let's let's get some champagne going and uh but how, wait now hold on, let's let's break this down it is august now we started in august how many years has it been i don't 2015 this is eight years now wow crazy so well hey we'll celebrate episode 100 this year and then two years from now we'll celebrate our 10th year i know i was i was just thinking that which means we'll be on episode what uh 20 120 (laughs) something like that so you know sure (laughs) get ready (laughs) wild stuff but that's cool i thank you for reminding me i didn't actually realize that that's that's wild i'm the keeper Um, of all things nostalgic which is weird on a nostalgia show. <laughs> um, but yes, we are watching... This is our first uh, Christopher Nolan film on the Hold Up podcast. Uh, yeah, because it seems like... Insomnia to us. Yeah, it does. Uh, Chris Nolan doesn't tend to need a lot of re reviewing for like well was it good because most of the i mean i don't even like like all of his movies necessarily but they're all sort of well done and it's like well i can see that they're all well done and the question just becomes a matter of taste at that point it's like sure. eh. so do you like watching you know people shooting at one thing in one direction and not shooting at things at the other direction as they go forwards and backwards in time <laughs> If you don't get what I'm saying, go see Tenant, I guess. <laughs> but he's, oh, I mean, yes. it's appropriate we're doing it now. I didn't even think about this, but Oppenheimer is coming out this weekend. That Actually, by the time this well, episode, yes. <laughs> yeah, by the time this For, episode hits, Oppenheimer will have been out. Correct. We are to be in full transparency. We are recording <laughs> prior to Oppenheimer's release. However, you will be here when you hear this. Oppenheimer will be out, like Nelson said. 
And yeah, so that that's worth mentioning. We we have not seen uh, yet his right. latest movie. So uh, in case you're wondering, why are they avoiding out. talking about his newest movie, Oppenheimer? That's yes. why. Yes. Unfortunately, Oppenheimer won't uh, factor into this conversation, but that's fine. Yeah. Because we are talking about insomnia. Before we delve too deep, Nelson, what is insomnia? Okay. Insomnia was his, what, third film? That's correct. And this was the one he had done Memento and Memento had been like a big critical breakthrough. And so everybody wanted to work with Chris Nolan. And so he was able to get a lot of star power, uh, which includes Al Pacino and Robin Williams. I think this is our first Robin Williams. No, it's our second because Hook was our first. So our second Robin Williams yep. uh, uh, hold up. Uh, and Insomnia is a remake of a, of a Swedish movie, I believe, which I have not seen. But uh, Al Pacino goes, I believe, to Alaska. There's a serial killer in Alaska, some, in some town in Alaska, and who is picking people off. And uh, what's her name? The next Karate Kid is like the sheriff or the, the local law enforcement. Uh, Hillary, Hillary Swank. Hillary I love Swank. that of her entire filmography. I support this, by the way. <laughs> but of her entire filmography, the bull you went with is the next Karate Kid. <laughs> Oscar That's winner, incredible. the next Which Karate Kid. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Million Dollar Baby you could have chosen. Black Dahlia you could have chosen. Like a million <laughs> other movies. But no. Next Karate Kid, I love it. But yes, Hilary Swank. <laughs> Hilary Swank. She's the uh, third banana in this movie. Uh, and Al Pacino is is having troubles of his own, and we don't know what they are. It's kind of a backstory thing. But when he gets to this town to solve the murder, he is... Uh, he has some problems, as the title might imply, with his sleep patterns because this town that he is at, which I believe it's one of those like six months of the year type thing, it's one of those mm-hmm. places on the map that the sun doesn't set. <laughs> so it's like yes. almost 24 full hours of daylight. And so he's completely thrown off and he's having insomnia problems. And then my memory is he finds Robin Williams not quickly, like immediately, but pretty much... You know, you find out, you know, because it's Robin Williams and they're not going to not use him in this movie. So like about halfway or so through the movie, the two, you know, start locking horns for realsies. It seems to me that's my memory of it. And so then they have sort of a cat and mouse, you know, can you get me? Can you not? And Robin, Robin Williams, of course, playing his his serious role because he's got a beard and he had won the Oscar for Goodwill Hunting at this point. Yes, I believe so. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Because so, Goodwill Hunting would have been what, 90? Seven, ninety eight, ninety six. It was, something it was like that. a good time before this. So, yeah. this so, was, I believe, two thousand two. Yes. So all three leads are Oscar winners. So there, there you and, go. And uh, and Chris Nolan was still. Uh, this is, I believe, still to this day. I believe this is the only script that wasn't his completely because most of his stuff is either like well it's the dark knight which is like based on batman and his brother writes those and i think this was at least partially you know it's based on another movie so maybe that's where the the other writer comes in but this was one of the first like kind of for higher movies that he'd done studio for higher movies and one of the only you know unless you count the batman ones so that's my memory of it as well is sort of the 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 sort of trajectory goes he makes following which is this kind of indie movie that people liked but maybe most people hadn't seen he makes memento 
which gets gets him noticed and then a bunch of nerds like me go watch following after seeing memento because we're like what has this guy done <laughs> and so yeah it, that's my memory as well that insomnia was was like a studio movie he sort of th- this is pretty typical of like a director that makes a big movie that makes a splash i it felt like he was for hired to do this yes um and plugged in and he is christopher nolan so i imagine even if he is like a director for hire he's pretty controlling guy from what i can tell (laughs) right (laughs) i mean i don't know if he's like kubrickian level like obsessed but he does seem to he seems that old style auteur kind of like super director that doesn't really exist so much anymore, but he's kind of carved this niche out. Right. He's That's one my, of those, my sort like, of view of him. He's an old school, like like you say, kind of studio system type director, down to the the fact that he only shoots on film still. He's one of those like last holdouts yeah. of film. Very controlling. Yeah. And and like you say, Kubricky in, in the fact that like he tries, you know, every frame of painting type you know, thinking, yes. you know, he's really trying to frame it a certain way, um, which is, you know, th- this is why you go see a Chris Nolan movie, because it's always pretty and you're always looking at it with, you know, awe struck in your eyes. And then you try and follow the plot and you either go, oh, man, that was great. Or you go, what? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if we're following the trajectory, this lands between Memento and Batman Begins, I, I believe. W- I want to say it does, because what was Prestige was his next original That's one, after, right? So he made a movie between both all the Batman movies. Right. So I think it goes like Insomnia, and then he gets Batman Begins, and then he makes the Prestige right. with half okay. the cast of Batman Begins. <laughs> and then he makes the Dark Knight. And once he makes the Dark Knight, it's like, oh, God has arrived, you know, right. like the greatest filmmaker ever or whatever. Uh, he no longer and, has to bow and scrape to the whims of studios. He can just yes. say, no, I will not be shooting on digital for this movie. Thank you very much, Warner Brothers. Exactly. And, and he makes Inception between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Crisis. So really it's that one it's that dark knight inception like one two combo is kind of those are probably two of his better movies right uh besides memento i actually well i'm curious memento's my favorite nolan movie yes how about you oh yes 100 and uh yeah and it's funny the bigger he gets the more i wish he would do like another memento honestly i think that would be awesome one of the things I actually wanted to bring up and, and curious how you felt is the context we had seeing Insomnia. Because for right. me, and I imagine you're pretty similar, I'm pretty hot on him. I've seen Memento. It blew my mind. I love it. It's like one of my favorite movies. And so I'm following him. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and my impression of insomnia when i saw it was that i i enjoyed it Mm -hmm. but it felt it did feel to me like a step back or sort of not as good as his other ones because both following and memento are very complicated movies like you're 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 tracking things in non-linear time and you really have to pay attention and there's all this information coming at you and you're sort of parsing and like figuring it out you know (laughs) one of my favorite things to do and And solving yes. a mystery. I mean, let's you know, you're <laughs> yeah, usually yes. solving yes, some kind mystery, of a mystery. A mystery. And insomnia is such a different experience because it's very straightforward. Yes. There's it first of all, it's linear. There's yes. no, you know, it, it, it almost reminds me of um, you know, you Quentin Tarantino's movie. Like you get to Jackie <laughs> Brown and suddenly it's like a normal ass movie like <laughs> right. back to front. Whereas before that, Tarantino was playing with time and order of stuff. So, so it sort of breaks the mold of following mem- and memento is straightforward. Right. Uh, it's 
it seems like it's a mystery, but like you said, I think I might halfway might be generous. I feel like within 10 minutes, it's pretty <laughs> obvious that uh, Robin Williams is your killer. So it's not really a mystery movie. Well, it's certainly not a like mystery trying to, the, to figure it out. Yeah, it's certainly not a mystery to the audience because whether no. or not you come into the movie and the movie assumes you haven't watched the trailers, but the, they were building the whole like advertising yes. campaign on like, hey, Al Pacino's the cop. Hey, Robin Williams is not a cop who kills people. You know what I mean? It's right. like there's right. no guessing involved. Yes, I, de- I definitely went into the movie knowing Robin Williams is sort of, I guess, the villain. Because that, that, that's actually another thing we should mention is this is during a part of Robin Williams' career where he was experimenting with playing off type or playing these strange, creepy characters. I, I can't remember if this is before or after one hour photo. It's in that time range. It's, it's within like a year or two. I think one hour photo came out first, but he, he sort of starts suddenly playing serial killers, basically. <laughs> yeah. And playing these creepy, scary people that he's playing very straight, like zero joking around. Yeah. Scary, basically. Well, he had, uh, he had from his, the beginning of his movie career, he had done this interesting thing where it was like, one really zany, wacky Jim Carrey-esque movie where he's just bouncing off the walls on cocaine or whatever. And then the (laughs) next movie is him playing a very straight very straight very dramatic you know he's obviously going for the oscar and he finally you know and it's almost like a joke that he got it for goodwill hunting because he did all these great roles and then he got to goodwill hunting and it was the same role he's played before very well i mean i don't begrudge him for getting an oscar that he deserved finally but it was weird that he finally got it and he could sort of relax with that because <laughs> i think he was really right. like that was a, a career goal was to get an oscar for him and then once he got it he started doing it felt like more serious work rather than less like he he stopped doing as much zany stuff it seemed like like well, maybe done... he got, it, it's almost like more experimental like he's yeah. just he feels free now to play around and you know i'm not going to get an oscar for playing a serial killer but i'm <laughs> curious to see what that would be like let's do it right well and uh, not for nothing i mean this is obviously, you know, several years now down the road, he obviously died by suicide. He had, you know, long had admitted that he had depressive problems and, you know, to hear people talking about it, because I watched uh, a pseudo documentary about it. I can't remember if it was a full on documentary, but I watched something about um, his mindset at the time, you know, sort of around those last few years. And it seemed like he was sort of going down a more like, depressive road it seemed like he you know maybe and i don't know if it's like well he was doing all this serious subject matter and it was sort of weighing him down or you know the opposite he was feeling weighed down so he was doing much more serious subject matter but i I obviously don't know him personally and nor did i but but (laughs) you know if i had to guess i would guess that the depression came first and then the exploration of darkness came right. after that. Like it's, it's, it's funny how all these comedians are so great at playing these dark menacing characters, you know, like right. Brian Cranston in breaking bad or something like that. It's <laughs> right. it, because the truth of it is quite often standups and comedians are depressed. Yes. Well, they're yeah, also, they're, you know, often driven by the demons that got them to where they, yes. you know, why does somebody have to be constantly entertaining other people? Well, generally because some sort of trauma has destroyed their self-worth right. and they feel like they that, have to always please people. That so. sort of sad clown trope, I guess, is, <laughs> yes. is, is, is that way for a reason, you know, because yeah. it's, yeah, yeah, you're totally 100% right. So that, that was, to me, the thing about insomnia that I was at least most interested in was like, right. oh, Al Pacino playing a cop 
<laughs> screaming at everybody. You know, that's nothing new. <laughs> but uh, Robin Certainly Williams been was, there and done that. that. That was like the draw for me. I was like, oh, I wonder what he's going to do for this. But but ultimately, I remember walking away from it thinking it was, oh, fine. Right. But a little kind of disappointed because I wanted some 8D chess, like super plot movie that yes. I didn't really get. It's not that at all. If I recall, it's more like a, a character piece. That really just watching someone go insane because they're not sleeping and right. exploring it's, characters. It's mostly focused on Al Pacino's, you know, problems because there's more you know, yeah. you know the insomnia becomes just a symptom it's not the actual disease it's it's you know representing something else and and robin williams if i remember right see this is the part i don't remember i don't actually remember the confrontations but robin williams seems bound and determined to pull it out of him and you know make him sort of admit there's something else going on sure because he's one of those like you're gonna be in the darkness with me here 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 <laughs> actually that it's really good to bring that up because like you I don't remember most of the movie. Nor I. Like, like I, what do you, what do, okay, what do you remember? Like, what's a scene or a moment you remember? Uh, the most concrete scene I remember is uh, after Al Pacino has arrived in town and he's met Hillary Swank and they go to either like a scene of a crime or somebody's house. They go somewhere and they're looking at evidence and somebody says, uh, and I think it's a school child. I don't remember how young, but it's like a teenager maybe or whatever. But they're like, well, their friends at school did this or they said this. And he's like, great, let's go see their friends at school then. Because it's, you know, sun's out and it's bright and shiny and, and everybody kind of looks at each other and kind of giggles. And he's like, what? what? What's wrong? What am I saying? What did I say? <laughs> and they're like, it's 1030 at night, sir. <laughs> Everybody's sleeping. And that was, I mean, and that to me was like the best scene in the movie because... They had not given you that information before. They had deliberately withheld what actual time of day it was. They had told you, hey, it's daytime all the time, but they hadn't told you at what point you're starting from. And so to be told, you're in Al Pacino's shoes, basically. You're like, oh, okay, it's morning. It seems like morning. We're at the house. And then he drops the bomb that it's like 1030. Same thing happened to me in Paris. I went to Paris for the first time a few years ago, and we went to dinner, and we were out for hours eating because that's what you do in Paris. And then we said, oh, it seems like it might be getting late. And we look at our watches. It's like 1030, and the sun is still fucking. <laughs> Out, or 9 30 or something ridiculous and i was like yeah, Woo, crazy. paris doesn't play by the same rules <laughs> so that's the one that was <laughs> no, most it like does not yeah that was the one that was most concrete for me i remember a lot of like hallucination dreams that pacino has and i don't remember what they are i just remember him waking from them basically and the daylight always shining through his windows because he can't properly like close his windows for some reason or whatever the blackout curtains aren't working or something like that but that in itself is also sort of unreliable because you find out later that it's just him seeing the daylight all the time because again he's going kind of nutso and I don't remember much of Robin Williams except wait oh wait, wait really I have no memory of that at all like, I think it later is on night in the... sometimes like I feel like that whole thing was it's not no I just mean later on like Al Pacino keeps waking up to daylight bursting through his windows and he keeps being like oh I can't sleep because the damn windows are always open and then later on somebody goes into his room and he's got blackout curtains and it's pitch black uh, in his room because oh, they've, they've, they've darked it out as requested. He's just seeing the light all the time uh, because he's, you know, suffering from guilt. Got it. So, and I only remember a little bit of Robin Williams and only I'm guessing from the trailer. Cause it's like when Pacino's like, you're going to and like got him by the scruff and he's shaking him. And Robin Williams is like, Hey, I'm not going to tell you anything, dude. I don't even remember that. I, <laughs> here's the honest truth. I saw this film once. It would have been the year it came out. So at this point, 21 years ago. 
Right. I remember nothing of Robin <laughs> Williams. Nothing. Not a scene, not a nothing. Just a hazy, like, baby memory of him and Pacino standing in snow looking at each other. Like, I think that's all I got there. Right. I do remember the blackout curtain stuff you're talking about, and I only remember one other scene in the movie. Okay. And it's because... Al Pacino is obsessed with and I think even is contractually make sure in the contract that he gets some kind of yelling scene. Sure. And by by this point in time, I was very aware of this where I'm like, man, Al Pacino always has some scene where he goes off. Right. And I wonder what scene that will be in this movie. (laughs) And so I do remember this scene where he's investigating and I believe the victim he's investigating is a dead high school girl or something like that. Okay. It's very like Twin Peaksy. Right. And and he's following her friend at her funeral. Okay. Or like a high school event or something. And I think it's it's like the dead girl's boyfriend. Okay. Is with her friend and like they're clearly sweet on each other or playing patty cake or something. I don't know if it's at the (laughs) funeral or like. But I remember it's the the guy is like grabbing her ass. Okay. And so when he's interrogating her later, I just vividly remember some moment where he starts screaming at her because she's clearly hiding information or like not being forthright. Okay. And he's, he has some line where he's like, oh, you mean when your dead friend's boyfriend's hand was all over your ass like that's that's like all i remember is him screaming all over your ass and i just remember laughing in the theater like wow that's pretty stupid and so that's that's it that's all i got that's like my main memory of the movie is this dumb al pacino line which maybe it plays great maybe i was just being i don't know like a shitty kid or something but like I just remember laughing all over your ass. Like, what? <laughs> well, I and then I was like, there it is. Yeah. I remember seeing this the weekend it came out. I've also only seen it once. And I remember, like you, kind of walking away like, well, that was well done, but is that all? Is that it? I mean, right. I feel like we've been building up to this for quite some time, and, and this sort of uh, didn't pay off, which is kind of you know why I picked... I mean. Of all of his movies, and it's interesting because I've seen most of his movies only one time. Like Memento, I've seen several times. The Batman movies, oh, yeah. I've seen several times. Mm-hmm. But like Prestige, one time. Uh, Inception, I think I may have seen twice, but uh, that would be the only one. Tenant, I've only seen once. Dunkirk, I have only seen half of it. <laughs> I was watching it on HBO, but I haven't gotten all the way through it. Um yeah, so I but all of his movies I feel like I remember them fairly clearly and this is the one that I don't. Right. So I, that's it, it, I'm actually fascinated to rewatch this now because at the time the feeling was like man, I need more from him. I need that, that <laughs> right. fucking memento energy. And then in the coming years it was almost like, "Oh, you want more from me?" <laughs> He's like, "Oh, insomnia wasn't enough. Yeah. Well, let so, me show you what I, mean, I am used to." <laughs> Inception's like insane. Tenet's yes. insane. Like he's made these crazy super. So I got what I wanted now right. <laughs> for many, many years. So right. I will not be watching this with any kind of angst of like, when's it going to get crazy? Like, <laughs> right. be- because I've got a million of those movies now. So right. I, in a way, it, it might free us up or at least free me up to be a little more fair on the movie. And I won't have that energy like I'm... It, it, 
actually this happens to us a lot it's sort of like now i know what the movie is right once you've seen uh, it and the yeah. surprise is gone i'm not coming in with an expectation of what i want it to be i right. can now sit back and enjoy and watch insomnia for what it is which is right. like a chilled out moody character piece of, you know <laughs> with two actors giving it their all like right. so maybe it's great and i just didn't know i'm curious I, well nelson i guess what do you think? Do you think Insomnia will be good? Do you think it will hold up? I don't know. I mean, I again, with Chris Nolan, it's like it's not a matter of can he do it well. It's just a matter of like, is it interesting? I mean, and all of his movies are interesting. It's like they're, even the ones that I'm like, well, that you know, I think you and I have debated Interstellar like over the years. Sure. Yes. You liked Interstellar and I was sort of, you know, lukewarm on it. But even Interstellar, there's stuff in it that I'm like, well, that I mean, that's you don't see that every day. You go to a Chris Nolan movie. It's like a James Cameron expectation. You go to it expecting to see something you haven't seen before. Right. And he that's had built true. up that reputation by his second movie. So it's like, like you say, this is the movie where he just sort of, I don't know if it, crowd pleasing is the right word, but he's like, okay, I'm doing a studio movie and I'm doing what you expect from a director doing a studio movie. So, and we've been talking about Oppenheimer. We've been, you know, kind of debating amongst, you know, our friends. We've been talking about, oh, well, is this movie going to be, you know, better for not having all the, the bells and whistles of a Nolan movie? And I was saying, well, I think it'll be fun to actually go see just a character piece with Chris Nolan's style attached to it. And maybe that's what this is. And maybe, again, we weren't ready for it after the thrill ride of Memento and following, but maybe now that we've gotten Batman and magicians and sorcery and I don't know what all it's, you know, now that we've gotten everything that you talked about, like you say, we, we have that now and we can actually enjoy the movie for what it is. So I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say it holds up because it's a very easy, it's very easy to say a Chris Nolan movie holds up. Sure. It, it, it's just the one that nobody talks about, you know, he, right. like following, which nobody saw when it came out. People know that movie better than Insomnia. So I think there's a reason for that. That's definitely true. First and foremost, don't sleep on Oppenheimer being bad shit or something like what, you know, watch <laughs> him true. fucking time travel. And you know, fight I seriously in doubt the, the bomb will go off <laughs> and time will twist around it. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows? Who knows? I just don't don't put it past him. Um, in terms of this film, Insomnia, I I'm. I, I know Nolan much better now, but I still remain really skeptical for mm. a few reasons. One, and this is the only film of his like this, it's a remake of a foreign language film. Right. Which which typically, I mean, occasionally maybe is good, but typically I'm like very against. And, really? And, and don't like that. You know, I'm more like, just watch the original movie, which ironically, like I've never seen the original Insomnia. Right. And, and I continue not to. And now I will see this one for the <laughs> second time. <laughs> but but it sort of got a pass because it's like, well, it's Christopher Nolan. So, you know, I'll, right. I'll check it out. But I actually rem and now that I'm saying it out loud, I remember that even disappointing me at the time. Like, oh, that's what he's going to do for his third movie. Remake right. another movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, second, like we've talked about, I don't remember a fucking thing. Right. So so maybe that's a good sign, but usually that's a bad sign. Usually that's right. like uh, nothing stuck. Like right. it, it didn't leave a deep impact on me. Right. So those are the two things really holding me up. Um, so I'm actually going to I'm going to I'm going to bet on doesn't hold up. I'm going to I'm going to trust the, my memory of it that I my brain basically said, you don't need to keep any of this. <laughs> and threw it in the dustbin <laughs> and i yeah. never thought about it much like after i saw it so i that, i'm guessing now i'd love to be wrong 
I'd love right. to be wrong, but that's my guess. It is interesting that you bring up the because we haven't even talked about this, but there is a, a <laughs> sordid history in Hollywood of taking a movie that was, and again, I haven't seen Insomnia, the original either, but taking an original foreign film and the only reason they remake it is like, well, it wasn't in English, so we need, you know, right. the suckers and the rubes to be able to understand what it is, so we'll put, you know, Al Pacino and Robin Williams did it, and you know, then, then they'll then they'll get it, then they'll understand it. So, regardless, let us draw the shades and open our eyes. We shall go watch Insomnia, and we will be right back. They brought him in to solve an unspeakable crime. Detective Dormer, it's such an honor to meet you. I'm Detective Ellie Burr. Welcome to Night Mute. So incredible to be working with you. The Leland Street murders was my case study at the Academy. Someone out there just beat a 17-year-old girl to death. Your job is to find him. Doesn't say in the report that he clipped her nails. He washed her hair. No mutilation? Not this time. He tortures him, makes him do things, and keeps him there for three days. This guy, he crossed the line, and he didn't even blink. What Detective Dormer doesn't know is that murder is only part of the plan. Dormer Killing changes you. It's like awareness. Who am I speaking to? Can't sleep, Will? He will taunt you. You and I share a secret. We know how easy it is to kill somebody. He will torment you. Can't be easy after three days of no sleep. Are you seeing things yet? And those little tricks of light. He will get inside your head. There's a ferry about five miles north of Night Mute. I'll be on 11 o'clock. I have great respect for your profession, but this situation isn't yours to control, Will. You're trying to impress me, Finch. You got the wrong guy. It took you 10 minutes to beat Kate Connell to death. No evidence that I killed Kay. You only know it because I told you. Are you doing okay? I mean, you haven't been sleeping much, Detective Dormer. Another night up like this and you're really gonna lose it. Now the game has turned deadlier than he ever imagined. This whole thing you're doing ain't gonna work with me. Hold it! Don't worry, Will. You can sleep when you're dead. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back from insomnia, hanging Ooh. on here <laughs> in the wee hours. I just watched a movie of a man. All he wanted to do is sleep, and uh, I'm getting there. But uh, oh, thankfully, man. did not fall asleep during the film. Yeah, which no, is good. But oh man, if 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 nothing else, the movie does give you the wearying impression of insomnia. That you know. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, I'm just like, man, I, I just, I just want to drop down and, and just sleep. I know. <laughs> These two old men stayed up late watching movies. I know. Uh, we're we're gonna do our best here, but <laughs> man, that pillow's gonna feel nice later. Oh huh? Let me tell man, you. this is why we should never start late. <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> and yes. yet, uh, regardless, um, 
our dumbass just kind of buried the lead on this one because uh, apparently we forgot like really critical plot information of this movie. <laughs> yes, uh, there's a whole <laughs> plot line that we just sort of let go. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, was so like, I think they're staring at each other in the snow, and that's about the best <laughs> I had. And you were kind of like, huh? Uh-huh. So, John, what what is what's actually happening in Insomnia? Okay, so we got the part where Al Pacino has he's a cop from L.A. who's come to help out in Alaska. And he's under investigation for with it by internal affairs because he and his partner have uh, done some dirt in some way. Um, and I don't know if it's the case that ultimately he can because he confesses later on to doing dirt on a case. But I don't know if something if it's that one or some other case. But they're being investigated and his partner has said straight up to him, I'm going to take a deal I'm not going to implicate you, but, you know, it's every man for himself at this point. I'm done. And Pacino's like, ah, you're a betrayer of men. Um, So then they come to this town to solve this crime. And at one point, they have Robin Williams' character dead to rights. And then, of course, one of the fucking local idiots, much like in Heat, there's a lot of, like, Heat, you know, uh, parallels in this movie. There are, you know... There's a scene in the heat where like they're watching Robert De Niro's uh, crew go into a, a building and they're being super quiet and then some fucking idiot like bangs his gun against the wall accidentally and then they have to let everything go. Much like in heat, there's this moment where one of the cops, when they're getting ready to surround Robin Williams on the DL, let's fucking fly with the fucking bullhorn. The you know he accidentally like pulls the trigger on the bullhorn. Like, uh, he goes like, the megaphone, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Whoa. megaphone, alerting Robin Williams. So he starts running, and in the foggy confusion, uh, Al Pacino shoots his partner accidentally maybe uh you know and of course the problem is even if it is an accident and it's up in the air whether it is an accident or not uh even if it's an accident it will you know when all is said and done it'll look like al pacino was trying to silence him so well well to be fair having seen the movie it very much plays pretty clearly like an accident i know the optics don't look good for him but like I didn't feel it was gray. Like, it, it it was clearly an accident, I felt like. I felt like it was one of those where it's like, you know, heat of the moment. And, like, even if it wasn't, like, I don't know. I, I, I think there was, like, that moment that he keeps kind of, like, his guilt sort of focuses on that moment of doubt is what I'm saying. Like, there's a sure. moment of doubt, like, right before he shoots his partner where it's like, Am I going to do this? Is this the guy or is this my partner? And I, you know, in real life, you know, that doubt can happen to anyone. And it's like, well, then, you know, that's why, you know, it's an accident or whatever. Anyway, uh, so then he shot his partner. It looks bad. His partner's dead. And then Robin Williams comes out of hiding to tell him, well, you know, uh, I saw it. I saw that you uh, shot your partner and then you hid the gun and all that stuff. So I know. Yeah, rings rings his hotel room and just starts talking to him and <laughs> yeah, says, starts I've seen what you've done. Yeah. And so he basically comes to him, and and I guess the twist here is that he says, so now that I know that you killed your partner and tried to cover it up, you're going to help me cover up my murder, because mine was an accident, too. I'm not a bad guy. It's, you know, things happen, right? So half of the movie is actually this weird, it's not a cat and mouse between 
Pacino and Robin Williams so much as it's like this cat and mouse of like, can Al Pacino point the finger still at Robin Williams with everything, you know, but he's also got to play this game where they're trying to pin the blame on somebody else. And, you know, Pacino's trying to dance between the raindrops and, you know, get Robin Williams without like losing yes. his, you know, yes, job. He still wants the bad guy caught for the crime, but is also trying to not implicate himself in his own crime. Right. Uh, and he's like switching bullets out at the morgue and doing all kinds <laughs> of shooting dead cop dogs shit. and <laughs> yeah, breaking into places he has no warrant and planting evidence and all. That. It, yeah. it, it basically becomes a spiraling uh, moral compass. Yes, and Hillary Swank, who is the local cop, she very much admires uh, Pacino's character she's the only one in the whole department who actually like pays attention to things everybody else is sort of looking for the easy win and goes directly where they're led whereas she's like well uh, i don't know and she sort of looks over details in in ways that the others don't and she figures it out and she, at, by the end she's the one who uh she goes to robin williams to uh, ostensibly get some some letters the deceased sent him but then she sees the dress and realizes what's happening she also knows pacino's guilty and there's a big shoot out and then yeah she's Robin doing Williams. her best clary starling silence of the lamb scene <laughs> where totally she's like is. you know innocuously walking into the murderer's house yeah exactly and then so there's a shootout between the three cops or the two cops and, and robin williams robin williams gets killed uh he then shoot but he shoots al pacino in the process so al pacino's dying and hillary swank admires him so much she like she has this bullet of his as proof that she's finally dug up after everything else and she said you know what i'm just gonna get rid of this it doesn't matter your reputation is more important he's like no no don't do it don't lose yourself because that's been his whole like spiral in this movie is he's he's lost himself and he keeps telling himself it's for the greater good but he, he doesn't believe it so then he finally gets to sleep after six days of not sleeping <laughs> in in the gentle arms of death <laughs> and Hillary yeah, Swank well, is the last one standing I suppose it is death it, it seemed a little open I couldn't actually tell if he was passing away dying which I he was shot so that would make sense or actually just actually falling finally falling taking asleep a sleep, he's taking a nap and he's alive <laughs> just kind of zonked out like oh the stress is gone all, all the the secrets have been revealed and i'll just nod off here i couldn't <laughs> actually you know tell. i i don't have any proof that says otherwise so there is that that possibility yeah. seems ambiguous <laughs> i i but yeah I, he probably died I mean, he let me finally sleep closes his eyes he shot like yeah he's probably dead but who knows? <laughs> she kicked him into the water and he didn't get up <laughs> Robin Williams definitively deceased. There was no question <laughs> yeah. there. As Under the water and sinking. Yeah. For um, several minutes. Like, he's definitely dead. Okay, I feel like I need to say this before we start, you know, doing whatever it is we do. Here's the part where this show and its relativism get, gets to be a problem. This movie is perfectly good. And it might be really good if it's not Christopher Nolan. But is Christopher Nolan's, you know, as part of his oeuvre, it's perfectly good. The question I'm having and the question I'm sort of struggling with is, is perfectly good enough? I mean, is somebody else's version of a good movie a good Christopher Nolan movie? Because sure, it's a good sure. movie. I mean, perfectly good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hmm. It's, it's well, well let, let's, yes and no. Well, here, let me, we hear, first of all, a couple of things to address. Yes. Uh, just, just coming off of it. One, 
much like the delusions of Pacino and his <laughs> fantasies and his uh, confusion, apparently my memory of this movie is also incredibly hazy. I vividly described a like Al Pacino screaming scene <laughs> where he screams hand all over your ass. And then we're watching the movie and he like delivers. It's the exact scene I described. Right. Like funeral and everything. Like I nailed it all except the actual delivery of the dialogue in which he just sort of throws it away. He does he yell, yell, but like, it's on a different line. It's later. A different line. Yeah. So he was he was like, yeah, if your friend's hand all over your ass. And then he was like, right here. She died right here. Or something like <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so what I realized, memory's a tricky thing. I, I have a habit, as, especially amongst friends, to... I find this Pacino yelling stuff funny. So I think what <laughs> might have actually happened is after the movie, I'm joking about him yelling and I maybe misremember or misquote. And I started right. yelling that because I did laugh at the ass line. Right. But my memory of like me, I, me joking became like the actual scene in the actual movie in my mind. You know what I wonder though? There is a time that Pacino yelled about a great ass and it's in heat. He's like, and it's the fan and it's the one if you say, oh, hey, remember that scene in heat of. where he's like, and she's got a great ass. Great and you ass. Got your yeah, head yeah. All the it, way it probably, up. You're totally right. Like it probably all just conversion. Like, it, memory, like it does that thing that we do yeah. all the time. We just conflate our memories into one yes. big thing. But but one, I need to correct the record there uh, that everything was correct except the, the actual <laughs> tone of the delivery second i said that this wasn't so much a mystery movie and it wasn't a christopher nolan mystery movie i will walk that back a bit okay the most christopher nolan ass thing in the whole movie and it's very small compared to his other movies he has this continued shot of someone cleaning blood right and they hold the opening credits insomnia opens on there's white cloth and then it stains blood red and you see this a lot yeah, he keeps and the going assumption back to it. is like, oh, this is Robin Williams cleaning up after the murder or something like that. That's what it kind of feels like. Right. And then it's not revealed until the end of the movie that what we've actually been seeing this whole time is what you're talking about. This moment of corruption right. where Pacino was himself a clean cop in a dirty world, never broke the law, yeah, did never planted bad, evidence or at least was, you know. was got him clean. <laughs> And then he just explains to the uh, woman who runs the inn that uh, one time he knew this person was guilty. He didn't have the evidence to convict them and he planted blood on them. And so they flash and this thing we've seen like a hundred times in the movie. We now realize is Al Pacino planting blood in, in this crime scene and actually dropping some on his own finger. And he was the one sort of creepily cleaning it off, right. which is interesting because it's, it's played continually in the same vein as the flashbacks of, of Robin Williams, like cutting the victim's nails and pre prepping her body. There seems to be this sort of, uh, inference that there's there are similarities there like both right. are guilty and cleaning uh, after doing something and like hiding a guilt and they're sort of mirror images of a coin yeah. or like one's a cop and one's a murderer and like and and the whole theme kind of comes around to like don't corrupt yourself because Hillary Swank is about to make this decision and his dying or perhaps right before bedtime <laughs> or, his, or his bedtime wish. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is like, don't do no, don't, don't become corrupt. Like I did. Like, yeah. Don't do a me. Yeah. So if anything, the, th the mystery was like, what, what is the crime here? And in fact, it was, it was hit this, this thing that probably led down this road where 
they're now being investigated. I'm sure it's not the only thing. But, right. you know, he, he, he compromised himself morally and has been living with that guilt forever. Right. So I did think that was very Christopher Nolan, just the way it was like intercut with no context and also misdirected and like it looked like something else, but it, oh, it <laughs> ends up being this other thing. But it's the most minor of things. Yeah. It's not like we're eight levels in a dream world or anything. It's, <laughs> right. it's sort of like very simple. Right. But that to me, I that's about as much of an influence as I saw he had on the movie. Clearly he, you know, this is a remake of another film. It's it's the beats and of the story are already pretty set. Right. So he kind of squeezes his mystery in there where he where he could. Right. Um anyway, those are the kind of the things that I really noticed. But to your your previous point about like it, it, this is an okay movie. It like it is and it isn't. It's like I love the direction. I love what we just talked about these kind of themes, but there there's a lot of like. I mean, I'm gonna say it kind of <laughs> stock stuff in it. Like yeah. It, it, yeah, we were just talking about this in scene. I just felt it was sort of like budget Sons of the Lambs. With, <laughs> right, with like, it's exactly. literally the same bit. I frankly have kind of a hard time swallowing. The whole premise where like he's shaking him down because he's seen something like what Robin Williams made next to no sense to me. <laughs> and I can see why I forgot the role in the performance because I just didn't. It's like I, I love he does a great job. It's not like yeah. he's doing badly, but conceptually, I just didn't buy the, the whole premise that yeah. he would shake the cop down, that he would call him, that the cop wouldn't tell anybody about it. Like yeah. it, it was a little too strange to swallow. That's the thing is like for, for the movie that I was expecting, I, you know, and you say like, Oh, inception, you know, you're, you're 14 levels deep in someone's dreams. When you don't have those kind of sci-fi premises, you know, you would hope that then the the depth becomes the theme and, you know, the writing and the characterization. And I don't think, you know, it doesn't go that Inception deep level. You know, it kind of goes about as down, deep down as you expect from a pulpy movie like this. But it doesn't really, it doesn't say anything new. That's the thing. I think... It presents these moral ambiguities, which is great, but then it just sort of sits with the moral ambiguity. And I think the longer that you sit with it, the less you sort of care what happens, I guess. Sure. Because, I mean, well, you, I, yeah. I think you vaguely want Robin Williams to get caught, except he's really charismatic. So you're sort of like, well, I mean, I guess if he gets away with it, it's not, you know, any worse than Pacino oh, getting wow. away with it. Well, I didn't feel like that. I definitely was like, this this guy has to pay. Well, like, he's he, scum. He's I mean, he's, he's definitely scum. Evil. But, I mean, as far as the, like, the moral relativism going on, it's like, well, they did, you know, he, he killed his partner. He killed the woman. I mean, again, right. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid that neither of them deserve, you know, punishment, but it is like, it's that, you know, shades of gray thing where it's, I, I don't know. I just, you know, it was much more intense at the beginning of the movie, but it's slowly being, you know, as, as more time went on, this, the tension began to peel away and I can't quite figure out where I lost the tension yeah. for it. I think for me, I, I I think the morally gray is the issue. Like, I have no problem with Robin Williams being evil and, and stuff. But but once Al Pacino, to me, Al Pacino um, sort of sacrifices himself morally in a way that he can't come back from. Like, I'm right. totally fine with him accidentally killing his partner. And, oh, my God. And, like, he's in this weird situation. I'm even fine, oddly enough, with him <laughs> kind of bending the truth and being like, Hey, the other guy shot him wasn't me and like trading a bullet out I mean it's not a good look but like I get it 
that I, I, all the way up until that point, I'm with him. It's once like fucking Robin Williams drops a dime on him and like gives him a ring, right? And he takes this meeting on the boat. I'm like, you've lost me. Like, there's just no. He's, he's, <laughs> right. Any smart cop is like, come on, you're not gonna be caught with the criminal like having a, a fucking meet and greet. Like, it just. Yeah, I mean that may to, be it. To and me, that's, it's like he's the fucking murderer. Just arrest him and like whatever he says, who cares? Like he's a fucking killer. Like you know, maybe they believe him, maybe they don't. But like, you know, he would say anything, right? Like I, right. I just, it's to me, it's too far a stretch that he plays along. It's like, interesting that that's where the 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 bridge too far comes because that's obviously the point of the movie is for these two to be yes. facing off, literally face to face against each other. And th- and that comes about halfway through the movie. And once that starts, it's, you know, like you say, if that's the point where you start to bend so far, you can't kind of get back to where, you, you know, the tension is, then maybe that's the problem. It's like the whole reason for this movie is no good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right, like, right, right. Like, clearly the catch is like, what if the killer saw the cop kill someone else? Right. And exactly. had this leverage on them. And how, wouldn't that be an interesting concept to play with? Right. Perhaps. I haven't seen the original film. Maybe that one sells it in a way that it's more believable. But just yeah. the, these performances, this movie, I just didn't get. And I didn't get there. And also what we're talking about, this sort of unoriginality of the film you mentioned heat already <laughs> right Fucking al pacino's in heat like that's the th- every scene every scene and every moment is sort of a budget version of something i've already seen done better where it's like well heat's better right and that's the same thing criminal and a cop sort of co- coming and that works so much better because they, they're no, they don't actually directly interact for like most of the movie right but you get this little diner scene where, where they sort of have a moment sure um to me, that's better. Sounds of the Lambs is better. Right. You know what? Like fucking name them. What else? Like, well, again, this Twin, is Pe- the Twin Peaks is better. <laughs> All the, the whole fucking oh my god, it's just Twin Peaks. It's like girl turning tricks in high school. High school <laughs> friends, you know, are are worried about her, but not really, and riding motorbikes and being angsty and like, <laughs> you know, I'm surprised there wasn't a fucking dancing man. You know, it's just like it, it was. I think that's the thing. Weirdo but th- none Alaska. Of that is, yeah, yes. Yes, it looked like the Pacific Northwest practically. Like it might as right. well have been Twin Peaks. So I, I think it's just like all the all the stuff that's working in the movie is just a photocopy of something I've already seen. Mm. And then the thing that is original, I don't buy. Right. So it's sort of it's sort of tough. Well, and maybe it's that thing that, and again, having not seen the original, I don't know. But I wonder if the original was a little bit more down in the dirt like we say like was Pacino's character in the original dirtier you know did he have a moral compass where like yeah I do what needs to get done to put the bad guys away and that's my excuse but you know I don't have like one or two like missteps I just like I'm I'm dirty <laughs> like I'm straight up a dirty right. cop right. Uh, I wonder I don't know I I'd have to look I'm curious now I'll have to watch that and again it Maybe. may not be it's you know this is one of those where it's like you don't necessarily hear about either one of these, you know, either version of insomnia uh, to, to judge by. So, and, yeah. a, and again, this is like I would say of all of Christopher Nolan's movies that I have seen, I, I think this is his, I think it's his least interesting. I mean, it just and it's weird because he's he's doing the thing that I want him to do, like especially with Oppenheimer, which is like take your intensity, take your intelligence and really just make a super good character piece. Yeah. 
Well, it's definitely the most boilerplate. Like, it right. just, you know, it feels like he's directing an episode of television or something. Like, <laughs> because the thing, like, he, I, and also he hasn't yet found his really strong cinematic stuff. He's not shooting this on IMAX, you know, jumping right. off jets and shit. Like, you know, right. he's not shooting this with super slick, amazing shots or really, like, it just, just kind of. So it just looks like a normal thing. Like it's just right. okay, medium shot. Like move him around. I guess about as create about as Nolan as it is is that extreme close up on the blood stain. Like right. I think that's why I keep coming back to that. Yeah, that and it's felt blue. Like a the whole movie is blue. It's very blue. <laughs> <laughs> that's Even a very Nolan. You were thing. sort of when you were remembering the movie, you almost attributed more than was there. Like you right. in our pre thing, you were like. Oh, uh, he thinks that light's coming in, but he's hallucinating. Like, right. It's actually dark. And in the movie, it's like a total throwaway where he's like, it's so bright in here. And then she's like, no, it's not. And, and turns then she the turns on. on the lights. Yes, it yeah. is a it, it's like I said, but not as uh, questionable as I almost was, like yeah. you were grasping for, <laughs> for some kind of extra layer. That, well, that, he is getting a little hallucinatory in the last yeah. bit of the movie, but that is, a, you know, apparently not one of those moments and even the again watching it again um and when she turns the light on and, and yes her the room is super bright with the lights on and when you turn it off yes the room is relatively dark but there is like light peeking in and that you oh, know certainly if you're trying to go to sleep i mean a little bit of light can make all the difference yeah. so i mean he's he's less crazy than i remembered him being about in that way also, you're right. There is hallucination and stuff, but it's pretty minimal. It's like they, about yeah. as wild as it gets. It's like, oh, the guy he shot is sitting in the chair for a moment. Oh, <laughs> like I'd have almost gone for like a fucking haunting where, you know, he's like having a dialogue scene with that guy or something. I mean, maybe, yeah. no, well, I guess that's kind of boilerplate and stock as well. But I'm just sort of like, well, if you're going to do it, like you, at this point, you might as well go wild. And he's seeing like all kinds of crazy shit. But like, you know, there's a showdown at the end between him and Robin Williams and it's like and there's a third party and Hillary Swank running around I mean the you know wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't the danger be like he's so exhausted and he's already shot a cop earlier on what if he shoots her I mean but there's no real mm. danger of that when that comes about you know his lack of sleep doesn't affect him when it you know when he's physically needing his his adrenaline so yeah, I mean it's 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 just sort of again a thematic thing. It's more of that spiral and you know he's feeling bad but it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't affect his judgment enough. Yes. I mean, I think after 5 I, days I would be completely awful. I, I guess that's the thing. Like this is the title of the movie. This is <laughs> right. the concept is like you can't sleep in your tripping balls. Like it's almost like there's for it to be the whole point of everything, it just doesn't Okay, so he's tired. Right. Okay. Well, and there's this hint that Robin like, Williams <laughs> sort of suffers from it as well. So, they're, again, they're two peas in a pod. Both guys who have insomnia. Right. Both or guys who accidentally kill somebody. when he first arrived. Right. Well, there is. But, yeah, I mean, the, there's hints that it's he still has problems with it because he calls the dude in the middle of the night and says, this is the worst time of the night for me. Right. So. But to me, like, the, mo the movie she could be called, like, Killer Knows That You Killed Someone Too. <laughs> like, that's that's way more impactful to the story and everything going on than the insomnia is. Right. The insomnia. I, get, I guess they're supposed to, like you said, there's supposed to be an ambiguity 
of like, did I kill my partner intentionally or not? Right. I just didn't buy it. Like when I was watching the scene, the way it's edited and the way it plays out, like it just was 100% an accident to me. Right. So any like reflection upon it and, and voodoo of like <laughs> doubting himself, me as like a third party viewer, I had already made my decision. I saw the scene. Right. I saw it all happen in real time. Like if anything, it might work better to not show me every beat and moment of that moment. Right. So yeah. that, so that I am like in the dark of like, well, what, well, it's like more Rashomon where it's like, did he kill him? Did he right. not? I don't know. You know, but I get it. It's so important that like, you know, we, we need to know that that happened. I don't know. It's yeah. It's just like the, the insomnia didn't have much bearing other than flavor on the yeah. story. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it didn't even really, I mean, he's sort of a little bit, you know, jet lagged when he shoots his partner, for example, but that's not the reason yeah. why. I mean, he's, you know, it's foggy, <laughs> you know, it doesn't even really play into to right. his problems. So yeah, I mean, it, that's the thing. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of good setup, it seems like, but it just sort of, goes to the first or second level and then doesn't go like, you know, again, 12 levels inception deep, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it needs to, it does. There's no, uh, prestige. There's no, uh, you know, there's no <laughs> money shot. There's, I don't know. Yes. It's, 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 it's a per it's, you kind of said TV movie and I hadn't thought of it that way. And I'm like, it is, it's kind of like a good TV movie. Like if Pacino and, and Robin Williams were in a TV movie, it would probably look like this, Absolutely. which is fine. I mean, that's, Good for there, a TV movie. There's but. a BBC miniseries called Touching Evil <laughs> that it has 75% of what's going on in this, and it has the same vibe, and it's the same deal. It's like there's a child murderer. Uh -huh. It's it's uh, Palpatine from Star Wars, that actor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously not literally Palpatine, but that guy. Uh, and then okay. there's two British police officers, and it's the whole thing is like the cop knows it's this guy. Right. But he doesn't have the evidence. And there's a scene where they turn off the interview or something. And literally, uh, Ian McDermott is his name. Yes, uh, right. It's uh, Lord Palpatine. <laughs> and he has a scene where he looks at the guy and goes like, well, I guess you're going to just have to work a little harder to find out who did this. <laughs> you know, it's like obviously him. And so it, it, there is this like cat and mouse game of like this cop knows it's this guy. Right. But he can't prove it. And they have these scenery chewing moments of like dialogue it's ju it's just as good as this movie if not maybe even a little better and it was made in the 90s for like a buck 50 and you know <laughs> was like pretty good right um i also think ian mcdermott he gave some range i appreciate i appreciate that robin williams is trying something totally against type right and really getting in this zone of playing this part but the problem is he's not the lead Right. He's That's just true. the villain, and he really only gives one thing. True. Whereas, like, we, we were talking about this during the movie. I guess One Hour Photo came out the same year as this film. Right. I and, remember One Hour Photo way better because yeah. it's like he's the lead. He gives a range. Like, he's creepy. He's, he's sympathetic. He's all these things. And you're in his view because he's, like, the protagonist in the movie. Right. Um, I like that for Robin Williams a lot more than this movie. See, I liked his performance in this, but I think, and and you're right. What's interesting is I would have said 
before, if you were like, well, he's giving a performance he doesn't usually give, I felt like, well, he's kind of giving his dramatic performance. He wasn't, though. He was giving a dramatic performance he doesn't tend to give because even his dramatic performances tend to have a sense of humor. And this one, he very, like, deliberately held back on that because, you know, half the time he can't even help himself. He wants to, like put something in or improv sure. something or even just give you a little physical moment like goodwill hunting he's a funny guy he's just very serious but every once in a while he tosses off something funny this guy's not funny at all and it's you know no. it's, it's very restrained from robin williams but i think you're right though it's still for that for him doing a different performance than he usually does it's still not as interesting as like one hour photo or you know other times he's done it so but I was wrong. You know, he doesn't have the beard for this dramatic turn. He this is about when he true. started to trick people and like did dramatic turns, but he shaved. Because <laughs> one hour photo, he doesn't have a beard either. No, he doesn't. In a way, <laughs> I don't. I'd almost like recast the movie, or I would remove Pacino, and it'd be. I'd be interested to see Robin Williams play like the lead. Right. To me, that would be way more fascinating. I think that that's the other thing. Pacino, while he he's fine. <laughs> is playing a role he's played, I don't know, 10,000 times. Like, he's just a detective. Right. It's, it's the, the stuff I liked about his performance was all just stuff that I'd seen him do already and sure. many things. And then the part where he's covering up his crimes and, and in bed with a murderer. You right. know, I, well, like, he's I just didn't buy too it. reasonable in this. I mean, because you've seen this performance before from him, but he's been sort of unreliable. Like, you see him in like Heat or Cruisin' or right. you know Sea of Love. Those characters are intense, and they also have an unreliability to him. This one, he quarter he he's kind of like every time he gets caught in a lie, he sort of just goes, yeah. You're kind of right. And sort of <laughs> accepts it, which, you know, you like him the better for it. But it's also like, well, if you're just going to roll over, bro, then what are we you know, what yeah. are we doing here? I mean, I, I guess he's he's kind of stoned the whole time because he's so yeah, tired. That's so true. Maybe that's part of it. And he, does, and he end, does like Hillary like, Swank's character. I mean, I, I enjoy the rapport yeah, that yeah. they have. So there is that. Hillary Swank was was not bad. Again, it's a little one note. It's a little like, Clarice Starling. I think you I think you nailed that one. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's well, it's it's not a Jodie Foster performance. <laughs> that's that, that's for sure. But like, She's but it fine, was though. it was I mean, okay. It was like serviceable. It was not bad. Yeah, she was good. I like yeah. Hillary Swank. I liked to seeing her in this particular film. She was good for that part, which yeah. is supposed to be a sort of not naive but young, hopeful police officer. Ernest. Who, yeah, Ernest. She, has to, she has to play Ernest really. Yeah. Who kind well. of learns the you know things aren't as clean as she thought and. Right. Well, you know, her hero has feet of clay, so it's yeah. Yeah. And she's trying and she's trying to uh, uh, adjust once she discovers this. And and he's telling her, don't no, don't like every time he she gets onto him in some way. He always sort of just he doesn't say, yeah, go get him, tiger. But he does kind of say, yeah, you should check that out. That's a good idea. See, she's smart. He does. He just underplays it. But he's still, you know, he's proud. Yeah, exactly. He's proud that she's doing exactly what he I mean, she's damn near proud that she catches him. Yeah, you know, exactly. And all He's just like, ah, oh, kid, <laughs> I can finally go to bed now. You, you learned the lessons and now I can take a nap. Thank Christ. <laughs> but to your, I mean, to your initial point, like as a movie, it's fine. As a Christopher Nolan movie, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's definitely the least Christopher Nolan movie of his movies by a lot. Like it yeah. just, you know, he has his touches, but it doesn't feel like. 
I mean, I'm not going to say one of his works. I mean, obviously, he directed the movie, but it's, it, yeah, it is weird. It is just, a, it feels out of place with the rest of his movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, 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 it does make sense if you consider it in, you know, the order that it was in. Because, like, Memento, I love Memento. Again, it's my favorite movie of his, but that yeah. is also, I mean, that was shot low budget. The stylistic touch was the the narrative order it was told in. The shots themselves are not necessarily like, oh, my God, you see the skyscrapers folding in half or whatever. I mean, it's very standard, you know, movie Well, yes shot. and no, but, but to me, there's way more interesting choices being made. The intercutting of the black and white and yes, color true. Uh, scenes, that's a choice. Like, no. the way in which they set dress and the tattoo. I mean, I'll be honest. Memento's a thousand times better than this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, I, well, I, like, I agree. By a lot. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's not just because of the plot. Like, I, I think there's... It's better directed, better acted, all around. I mean, everything's better. <laughs> but I like, think what, it's not until he gets to Batman Begins that he really... When he's working with, like, a super budget... Because this is, again, his first, like, big budget movie. And I don't know how many... It's probably, like, what? $20, 30000000 million or yeah. so? Like, yeah. And then he leaps to $100 million with Batman. I mean... I, sure. it, it would make sense that his mm-hmm. his eye would then take a, a visual leap as well. I can see why I was disappointed in this movie initially. Yeah, me too. But like I, like coming off of Memento, I was definitely excited, and I was kind of like, oh, oh okay, yeah, this whatever. Is, this is you gave you yeah. got money and the the greatest actors in the world, and and this is what you did with it. Yeah, and it's, and not, it's, it's, it's not bad. It feels this is the thing. It feels mean to say because it's like it's again, it's a perfectly good movie, and if it was somebody else's yeah. movie, I might think more highly of it. But it's also you know again, we expect so much. From this well, guy, I, I guess, John, we're, we're kind of at the question. <laughs> so I will pose it to you. Did insomnia hold up? See, this is such a. I mean, if I'm going with the Christopher Nolan comparisons, then it doesn't hold up. I mean, does it does it even hold up to his movies? No. But again, I would still say, I mean, if you're a Christopher Nolan completist, then you should see it because you'll certainly get something out of it. Uh, I just I don't I just don't see recommending this to someone who isn't a completist. Maybe that's why it's like, hey, if you love Mm. Christopher Nolan, then, yeah, you got to see it. But do you I mean, do you care that it's a Chris Nolan movie? No. Then I guess you you can skip it if you want. You know, there's nothing like you say, there's nothing in it that you haven't seen before. Yeah. Which is disappointing. I think like for myself the Christopher Nolan, like, of course it doesn't hold up. Like, absolutely not. I think, I think that puts it on a, on a a expectation level that this movie sorely fails at. So, so for Christopher Nolan, it's just, it's a non-starter. Like, no, it does not hold up. Um, And that's puzzling that he made such a plain movie when all his other movies are so imaginative and and so wild. Um, I think that's not to say that it isn't an interesting movie or there aren't right. things I like about it. If we divorce Christopher Nolan and like just take him off the table and I saw this movie on like fucking Showtime back in <laughs> 1994 when I had a day to kill, like I would have been like, oh, that was pretty good. Right. Like, like, like there are t- things I would take away from that movie that I enjoyed. Uh, I, I think 
unfortunately, just due to the context of it, it, it doesn't hold up. Yeah. I think it would it would have been much better if this was a movie by some unknown director or someone I was less familiar with. And yeah. the actors in it, you know, I, I, I like what Robin Williams is doing. I like what Al Pacino is doing. It's it's not a bad movie. Right. That's the trouble is it's not bad. It's just it's it's not the, the jolt that we needed. It's serviceable. Yeah. Which you know, it's it's yeah. in the it, once it hits that middle ground. I once mean, we start, you I know. think it's a it's slightly above serviceable. Like yeah. it's it's okay. Like it's pretty okay. Well, like I said, it's perfectly good. I mean, if you said yeah. put a gun to my head and say you got to watch it again, I'd be like, okay, fine, sure. I'm not going to cry too much about it if I have to watch it again. But am I going to watch it when I'm faced with any other choice now? It's like, well, probably not. Am I ever going to watch it again? I I don't know. I seriously doubt it. It wouldn't be my yeah. first Nolan pick. So I just I, I don't know. I There's not a moment in that movie where I'm like riveted on the edge of my seat. I think about as like intense as it got was like, oh, my God, he shot his partner. Right. And then it was like, oh, shit. Robin Williams saw him do that. That's unfortunate. Wonder what's yeah. where we're going to go from here. And then after that, it's just, I mean, by the big finale where they're shooting out in the shacks, I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, <laughs> like I wasn't, I wasn't like heart pounding, like, right. watch, oh my God, I, what's going to happen? Like, it just didn't, it didn't, um, grab me or like really invest me in it for some reason. Yeah. I, mean, and like, I, I don't quite know what that reason is. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you expect, I mean, I'm not going to come away. When I came away from Memento, I had, I, it had been built up for me. Oh, I, yeah. Again, I found out about that movie the day it came out. I didn't know anything about it. I heard the premise. I'm like, that's too fucking good to be true. I watched it and I was like, that's even better than they made it sound. That's crazy. I mean, I came out excited. And this one, it's like, eh, that was a couple hours at the movies. Yeah, random sidebar, just because it's worth telling. I saw Memento at a preview in Boston, and I only knew about it because I the theater I regularly went to that screened it hand me handed me like a a screening ticket. Oh, okay, and I had seen the the one sheet. Right. And knew it was about a guy trying to find the killer of his wife. But I went into Memento. I did not even know the conceit of the mm. of the reverse nature of it. Right. And so it was amazing to be sitting in the theater and then a couple scenes in being like, wait a minute. Like and then sort <laughs> of catch on to like, oh, I see what you're doing here. Right. And um, that was an incredible experience. Well, that's the thing. Even the movies like Interstellar, um, Prestige. I'm thinking, uh, and even to a degree, um, Tenant, like I came out of those movies at least with like, okay, you know what? These are not necessarily my favorite Nolan movies, but I really am glad I watched them. They have good twists. They have, you know, they gave me something to chew on after oh, yeah. I was done. You know what I mean? And this one, I feel like, yeah, I've, I've chewed on it enough. I've actually yes. chewed on it with talking with you way more than enough. <laughs> you know? Actually, I mean, this is coming from me who I've been clowning on tenant for a couple of years. Like I was literally <laughs> making fun of it with friends of ours in a text chain the other day. And I will say, um, without hesitation, the tenant's a better movie than insomnia. Oh yeah. Well, just, just, just higher, way more entertaining. Yeah. And I mean, way and more it, interesting. And it's hard with a movie of this nature. 
And that's again why I'm a little bit concerned for Oppenheimer now. But like, that's the thing is the story <laughs> is well. I mean, it's probably going to be great, <laughs> but the story is straightforward. And not only in Oppenheimer, you know, Insomnia, you had the benefit of going in. It's like I have no idea what this is like because it didn't really happen in life. This right. one, I'm pretty sure we know what happened with Oppenheimer, unless it, you know, which would be great if like the bomb goes off and then suddenly like time starts reversing itself and you know Oppenheimer oh, picks dude. up a gun, starts shooting everybody. <laughs> Well, you don't think we're getting fucking atomic bomb porn for like 45 minutes? Which is, <laughs> isn't the whole you know, movie? Just, I mean, isn't the whole movie atomic bomb porn? Yeah. This is yeah. just basically be because great. every every fool who thought they were being a clever writer for the last 30 years included the quote in their writing, I have become death destroyer yes. of worlds. And then they turned cleverly to the audience and said, you know who said that? Oppenheimer. After he detonated yes. the atomic bomb. They said that in Ex Machina last month's movie. <laughs> they, they literally had that scene you're describing. You're right. You're right. And I just dissed him for it. So suck well, what's it, good Ex Machina. Is, it, what's, what's good is um, in that movie, he rolls his eyes. And he's like, yeah, I know the Oppenheimer quote. Like, it's like even in that movie, they're yes. like, yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah. we got it. <laughs> Regardless, just, uh, thank you, Nelson, for this journey. Uh, oh, sure. to Alaska, to the wilderness. Um, I mean, regardless, we are uh, approaching ever closer to episode 100. It is only two months away. Man. So get ready for that. Until then, we will be coming at you with episode 99. As oh, of yet, a Nolan mystery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Who You're going to have to go it'll be? six levels of inception deep to figure yes. out our brains on this one. <laughs> not that it will be a Christopher Nolan film. It will not. But it was, that would be it, funny it, if we're like, we're just going to do Oppenheimer now. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, if you would like to email us, you can email us at holduppodcast at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website, holduppodcast.com, where you can find links to our Twitter page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, all those lovely things. And until next time. I am become death, destroyer of worlds. Destroyer of worlds.